Hello, and welcome to the G2 podcast. Thanks. Um, okay, so this is, this is great fun to be speaking to everyone like this as a whole church family with kids and youth and everyone all in together. Um, but we probably need to just uh, agree that it's all right if there's noise, if you're trying to listen to what I'm saying good luck at times, uh, because there'll be some distractions, and that's all good. That's all just part of uh, the wonderful chaos that is family, uh, and that's who we are as church together. So it's all good if there's some distracting things. And kids, if you get distracted by grown-ups, that is also fine. Um, And if you find yourself being ever so slightly bored during my talk then that's fine as well. Um, If you completely zone out, you can always listen later because we have a podcast. (laughs) Can't see why you would do that if you found it really boring. But anyway, you can if if you want to. Um, Today, we're going to speak all about love. And the kids and some of the youth might think, no, that's so embarrassing, particularly my own children. Dad's going to talk about love. Well, don't worry. Um, I won't be too embarrassing. And the kind of love that we're speaking about today isn't uh, sort of gooey, kissy love. I don't really know what gooey, kissy love is, but you know what sort of thing I mean. So it's not really that that we're going for. Um, we, in fact, we all need to know that we are loved. Every person alive needs to know that they're loved and everyone is in fact loved by God. Um, And we actually need to love other people as well. We need to, there's a need within all of us as humans to show other people that they are loved and to express love. That's one of our our sort of human needs, I think. We need each other. So it's great that we're eating a meal together like this um, as a way of doing that as a way of connecting, sharing stories, eating together, um, and um, that is a way as a church that we can show love to one another. Um, I wonder what is your favourite love scene from a film, but again, remember, we're not talking about romance, so I don't want to know what your favourite romantic moment is, but what's your favourite moment, like love scene, where someone expresses a moment of Uh, deep love for someone else. So it could be whether someone's maybe run into a burning building to rescue someone else, or a cat, um, (laughs) or a dog. Um, Perhaps it is Hacksaw Ridge, uh, that maybe there's that that kind of moment uh, in a film where someone goes way out of their um, comfort zone into the danger to rescue someone else. or um, maybe there's a, great mo- there's a great moment in the film Home Alone. Um, by the way, I realised that Bobby looks really like... Can you just stand up and do that face for everyone? Stand on the chair and do that. All right, yeah, yeah. Here he is. Right, go for the face. Look at that. It is Home Alone. There. Thanks, Bobby. That's perfect. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, when the, our kids were little, uh, we watched that film uh, at the usual time of year, uh, and uh, it, they were loving the film, all the pranks and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure it's not a huge spoiler alert that the kid is left home alone. Um, and there's a moment when uh, his mum finally makes it back in, and she's had this ridiculous journey to make it home, and she finally gets back, and they have a big hug. 
and at, we're we're sort of watching it, and it's a little bit emotional, everything, and and as they hug, Aaron, who's probably five, just went, ah, and it, Hannah and I just wept. We, we were just complete wrecks. It was just one of those moments where it completely got you. So we always remember that one. But it's just this sort of a different kind of love. So everyone needs to know that they're loved, and obviously. In Home Alone, Kevin is wondering whether he is or not. So let me just get you to chat to the people on your table. Just chat to the person next to you. You don't have to have a whole table discussion. But just chat to the person next to you. What's your favourite love scene from a film that isn't romantic love, that's just some other kind of like fatherly love or brotherly love or family love or something like that? Go for it. Okay. So... um, I wonder what your films were uh, for those. There's probably some great recommendations for films going on where people are going to look up the film that was watched. Um, we're going to read the uh, passage today. Uh, it'll be on the screen, but if you want to find it, uh, you can also do that. It's Philippians uh, and chapter one. This is a book that Paul writes to uh, the church in Philippi. And um, He is doing that at the time with Timothy, who's uh, somebody who he kind of mentors. And so uh, if you want to find it, Philippians 1, and we'll start at the beginning and then um, we'll finish at verse 11. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from that first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify uh, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. And this is kind of the bit that Uh, we've taken this uh, particular value for G2 here. So he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from uh, through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's, He's really good at writing great prayers, isn't he? Paul. So that's a a brilliant prayer that he writes to that church in Philippi who he has come to to know and love really, really well. So we're going to just pull out a few little details from that about that particular passage. Uh, The first one is he says, I have you in my heart. This is why uh, he is right that I pray for you because I have you in my heart. Um, Now the word used there uh, for heart um, We've amended it over the last few centuries because it doesn't make sense to us what it actually is. The word that's actually used is called splagnon in the uh, Hebrew. Um, Do you know, Daniel, what splagnon means? Guts. Guts. I knew he would know. He wasn't a plant, I promise. So 
It means guts, yes. So he says, I pray for you because I have you in my guts, which is a reasonably odd thing to say in our culture, isn't it? I have you in my belly. I have you in my innards. It's, do you see I'm saying? It's not really that romantic, is it? That, that, I assured you it wasn't a romantic love we were talking about. Um, but he does have... He has them in his bowels, basically. That's the, di- the directest translation. And from that, um, you get the word um, splagnizomai, which uh, in, in the uh, New Testament is a word that you see quite a bit. Jesus uses it, and it's the word for compassion. And it's, it's like a love for other people that comes from the belly. So in our culture, you don't get that kind of word very often, like belly love, unless you're talking about how much you like food. But we use the word heart a lot more. But it's a different kind of processing place if you love someone in the heart. or The sort of gut-wrenching, instinctive, belly type of love is a different kind of love. And that's where Paul is saying he has the church in Philippi. He's, he's like, uh, I guess when he prays for them, it's like he's gutted when something's not right. And he's like willing them with everything, he's, all his being... Uh, to do well in the gospel. So that's why he says, I have you in my guts. And we've translated it to, I have you in my heart, because it sounds nicer. I wonder what it is that you have love for, or if, if there's somebody who you love, either in your family or a friendship group, and you could relate to that kind of, oh, kind of feeling in the guts. Maybe there's that kind of feeling you would know what I mean. But look, why is love so crucial? What's the big deal about love? Why is it so important? Well, there's a whole load of stuff in the Bible about love, isn't there? So Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says this, Jesus replied, this is in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he sets his stall out to say, this is so crucial. You can't ignore love. It doesn't work. The whole thing isn't going to work if we aren't able to first love God and then love people. Now, in our family, we have sort of amended this a little bit. And we've, we initially had three rules in our family. And we now have four rules in our family. Um, Aaron, can you just help Everyone out to know what are the what are the four rules in our family? Love God, love people, don't be a That's right. So if I'll just go over that in case any of you weren't quite sure what he said. Love God, love people, don't be a div. So just a div is just a silly person, an idiot. Don't be an idiot, basically. Just like try, try and live life without being a complete idiot. We fail at like at C quite a lot. Uh, and then the, the fourth one was press A. And that is when, because when you're playing Mario Kart with kids and they're the person who has to press A to keep it moving, it's a nightmare. So that is, we just found ourselves saying press A a lot. So that's, what, that's rule number four. Love God, love people, don't be a div, press A. Um, but we do try and remember in our family to love other people, to find ways to do that. So um, I'm going to fire through a few others as well because... The um, disciple who wrote John's gospel, he referred to himself, John, as the disciple who Jesus loved. And love features in his gospels an awful lot. So here's another one. Jesus is saying, by this, 
everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Later on um, in 1 John, it says, we love because he first loved us. Uh, John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So that kind of love, John is obviously very affected by and he's aware that this is crucial to the gospel, that we would love other people first because God has loved us, then we love other people. It's, otherwise, all of our trying to be a Christian, all of our trying to follow Jesus, all the stuff we do in church is completely pointless because it's all just being good and it's all being nice and, there's, and it'll burn out like a, a candle in the wind. It's not going to last. It has to be rooted in the fact that God first came to earth and has loved us. He loved us before we were made. In John 15, um, there's a really well-known passage which should be on the screen. And uh, in nine, there's nine times in eight verses when love is said. Um, that's a, uh, a scriptural tradition which is really well tested. And if you read the Psalms, you will find the word love used an awful lot. In fact, um, in Psalm 136, um, it's used 26 times. It's the one that goes, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the uh, God of gods. His love endures forever. And it goes on and on and on with that refrain. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. And it's a great one to do as a whole church. Maybe we'll do that um, one time. And lots of worship songs have been written from that because it's a constant reminder that God's love endures forever. In fact, later on in that psalm, it gets a little bit hard to track when it gets to Og, King of Bashan, and so on. And it's less good for worship songs at that stage. But um, <laughs> the first bit of the psalm lends itself a little bit more. But God is love. And God's character is love. So it all roots from him. In fact, in Exodus 34, verse 6, God says what his name is and his character is described in his name. Um, Moses is not able to see uh, Jesus. Uh, sorry, no, he's not able to see the Lord but because he, he wants to. But he, he was like, well, basically you'll die if, I, if you see me. So I will let my glory pass in front of you. And as that happened, um, the, uh, his name is declared. And this is, I think it's one of these things that for lots of us who, uh, who are Christians, maybe not everyone is here and you're just interested, um, but this might be something that would be new to you as well, be new to lots of us, is that Yahweh says his name and he says uh, like what sort of characteristics are in his name. And, it, and this is what we get in verse 6. Um, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. Let's pause there because remember how Paul has just written to the Philippians saying, I pray that you would abound in love, that you would more and more abound in love. Paul is echoing this because Paul was an Old Testament scholar. He knew his Torah that the Jewish people had and have. Um, and that, that, that's this same book. So it's the same Yahweh that he is, is speaking of. So he, when Paul references stuff from the Old Testament, he's not doing it by accident. So Yahweh says uh, that 
Uh, he is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. I'm including that because I didn't want to exclude scripture. But don't worry, kids, you're not going to get punished for stuff that your parents did four generations ago. That's not what God's looking to do. Um, there's a complicated description for why that's in there. And we're not going to go into that now. But the type of love that is used here and the word that's used in the Hebrew is the word hesed. And that is a different word to the types of words that we um, uh, have in the New Testament. So in the New Testament, you have three, which you might have to jump back, John, to a, to a uh, thing from earlier on. Um, and there's three words, which perhaps you've come across before. One of them in the Greek, uh, in the New Testament, most of the New Testament's in Greek, lots of the Old Testament's in Hebrew. So uh, the three words for love in the New Testament in Greek are eros, philio, and agape. Um, eros is the kind that we described that we're not really going into today, so don't worry, kids. Um, and philio is the kind of brotherly love, uh, and agape is the kind of community love. And this is what we're doing today. In fact, the kind of thing that we're doing today, eating like this, is sometimes referred to as an agape feast. It's like when you get together as a whole Christian church community um, and share um, in eating together. And it, I guess it's a little bit reminiscent of the Last Supper. And when Jesus says, when you, whenever you eat together, do this in remembrance of me. So this isn't, this isn't Holy Communion now, but it is a way of remembering Jesus um, and a, a way of remembering what he did. So that's often called an agape feast. And so that's one word. And in the New Testament and in this Philippians passage, it's agape that's being referred to. But in the Old Testament, it's mainly hesed, this Hebrew word. And that means loyal love, unfailing kindness, devotion, mercy, undying, steadfast love. So that is what God, when it says in the Old Testament, God is love, <clears throat> that's what it's referring to. He is faithful. He has undying devotion to us. He loves us so much like a very, very good father would do. Back to this uh, pa passage in Philippians. Um, the love that is being talked of here has dimensions. So uh, he says, I pray that you would, uh, let me just find it again, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So there's, there, there's a sort of shape to this and there's a purpose to it. It's not just a, a feeling. This kind of love that's been described isn't a sentiment. It is a plugged into reality kind of love that has a, has a purpose in the community. Um, and there's a reason for it, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There's a, there's a purpose to why this love um, exists. Um, Paul really practically loved this church. It was one of the first, or it was the first church he went to in Macedonia, um, and he was welcomed by Lydia, the purple cloth trader. Um, and um, so they had always expressed an agape love to Paul. 
And so that's partly what he's getting at um, in the way that he writes to them. Um, he, he thanks God for them because he re, he remem- when he remembers them and he always prays for all of them. So he goes out of his way to connect in. I always pray for all of you. So there's a, a, a holistic way. He's not just writing to the leaders of the church. He really loved them and, and felt that back from them as well. And we are like this too. Um, I know that Hannah uh, prays for each of you by name, um, at least if you're on church suite, I think she prays for you, everyone on church. Anyway, there's a little plug for everyone to get on church suite maybe. Um, but um, everyone, she, pr- she does pray for everyone by name. And uh, I don't always do that, but I do join in sometimes in praying for lots of you. Um, and I think, in, and certainly in our small groups, that's where we get a little bit more of that, isn't it? The, the connection, the sort of family sense of praying for one another by name. But we need each other in this family. We need to know we're loved. We need to love one another. So we're going to do something together, which we uh, have we'd done this uh, years ago, but we haven't done it in a good while. So some of you might remember this, and probably most of you won't. Um, and uh, we're, it's called I See In You. So it's a way of expressing what you see in someone else and expressing encouragement and love to someone else in this room. Um, In order to do this, we've got little business cards. I mean, they're not business cards, but they're tiny little cards about that shape. Um, And it says, I see a new, which I guess is the kind of way we used to speak in text messages in the 90s. So (laughs) it says, I see a new, and then you can write what you see in another person and then go and give it to that person. It's going, to be, it's going to mean getting up. It's going to mean being ever so slightly out of your comfort zone. But let me say this, um, it's so good to do that kind of thing, to get outside of our comfort zone and to do something that's a little bit what you're not used to as a way of stretching um, the way that you're able to show love to someone else. So in order to do it, um, I will, we'll hand these out in just a sec, but in order to do this, um, you might want to write something for someone who you really know who's in this church and you know them well and and it's like I want to bless this part of their personality or their character or something that they've done or just who they are but don't just do that because you might also want to take a bit of a risk and write something for someone who you maybe don't even know at all but you want to write something um, affirmative um, on that card something that will bless them and something that you see in them so it could be a prophetic sense that you have through the holy spirit and if it is that it's only going to be encouraging so you know don't write any prophecies of doom on a little card you've only got a month left no don't write anything like that so um just something that's going to be encouraging and would bless that person um and then uh, you will receive cards off people now go for it with these don't try and like hold back and, you know, only do two. Let your words be plentiful and do lots of blessings to people. So I'm going to need some help handing these things out. Um, yeah, there we go. Thanks very much. Just take one to each table. There we go. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Bobby. Find a table who doesn't already have one. Thank you, Charlotte. We couldn't go anywhere. Um <laughs> Thanks. You take them over there. Maybe the table at the back needs them as well. That's brilliant. So go for it. Be encouraging. Don't spend ages trying to think of the right words. Just show encouragement and love to this church.